Welcome to Anxious Like You, a podcast hosted by Micheline Malouf and Nadia Adesi, two therapists who are anxious like you. In each episode, Micheline and Nadia dive into their guests' experience with anxiety and give you the tools you need to face your anxiety head on. This podcast is made in collaboration with Dive Through, a mental wellness company. Christina Wolfgram is a writer and video producer who specializes in comedy for women. Her videos have been viewed over 500 million times on Facebook and Instagram, and her hit, When You Suck at Eyeliner, remains Time Inc.'s highest viewed video ever at 60 million views. When she first moved to LA, she worked as an off-brand Disney princess, and now she's the star of a Facebook series, Christina Tried Her Best, which racked up over 100 million views in just one season. Christina is also a sit-down comedian who loves to cuddle her master's degree and the cat she found in her driveway. She's test-driven fancy cars for LA Magazine, reviewed diets on XO Jane, and she can often be found on YouTube wearing sequins and singing. (laughs) Hey, today we are here with Christina Wolfgram. We are so excited to have you. We're going to dive right in to the stressful, anxious, provoking questions. We know that you talk a lot about anxiety on your social media. What types of anxiety do you struggle with? The present anxiety, um, which is that I'm way too excited to talk to both of you. Um, And I have been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And I think that really covers it because my anxiety is just so fun. It's constantly surprising me. I feel like I was born with anxiety and like, you name it, I've got it, I think. When did you realize, oh, I might be an anxious person or I might be struggling? Oh, wow. It took a really long time. Um, I was a really, really anxious kid. I would cry when my mom dropped me off to school. Uh, I would cry before every dance recital. Um, At one point, I actually was so anxious when I was around nine, I gave myself an ulcer. So I think my parents were very aware of what what was going on, and they were super supportive. And they kind of let me create my own language around it. I used to call it being nervous. Like, I'm really nervous. They knew what that meant. They knew that I, I needed a cry. I needed a breath. I might need to go outside. Uh, and it didn't really occur to me that it was like an actual mental illness that I could treat until I was maybe 26. Wow. And I started seeing a therapist in LA who had me fill out this questionnaire and she was like, oh, so you're anxious about everything. Let's start there. I was like, oh, anxious. Interesting. I've heard other people use that word, but tell me more. So were you like worried all the time? Would you have like situations come up in your mind? What did anxiety look like for you? Oh man, it honestly felt like, I think I was really anxious about transitions kind of. I see it when I look back, I see like the transition from my mom's car to like the kindergarten entrance or whatever. I see that first step onto stage doing tap dancing or whatever four-year-olds do and man it just felt like that one step was like teetering on the edge of a giant cliff Mm. uh when I was I, I think I was in fourth grade my mom 
had a, an illness that went undiagnosed for a long time. And she's super healthy and great now. Uh, and my parents and my whole family were awesome at keeping me in some kind of loop, as much of a loop as a, an eight, nine-year-old can be in. But I definitely had an anxiety that if I made that transition from my house to the outside world, she, she might not be there when I come back. And that's oh. definitely been a theme uh, in my adult life as well. I, nowadays, my imagination is very colorful. So I, I see dead people. <laughs> but I can so relate to you on that death, like anxiety and losing people. That is one of the scariest things that um, anybody can experience as a child. Like think, no, understanding that your mom wasn't doing well and what that does that mean to you growing up, right? And how that yeah. impacts you. Yeah. Even talking about it right now, like my hands are shaky. Yeah. 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 Um, when you say, I actually had never heard the phrase death anxiety until you said it on your podcast recently, actually. And um, gosh, three years ago, I had a wonderful, beautiful aunt pass away and I come from a Catholic family, and so I went to the funeral, and it was open casket, and it, full body, I had to run out of a building, it just, I couldn't believe what the embalmer had, like, done, it wasn't her, it was so, affected me so deeply, and something that helps my anxiety is, like, studying something until I can explain it, so I went down this probably over a year journey of researching death stuff. And I came across Caitlin Doty. She is, she changed my life. I, I found her like Googling, like embalming. <laughs> That's a scary topic to be, uh, to be looking up on the internet and probably on some kind of list, but she, <laughs> <laughs> she kind of has this philosophy that there are things you might be anxious about because you're anxious about death. So I think losing people and then probably a fear that I can't even put into words that like, I'm going to die. And that's how dare, how dare they, whoever is in charge. Is death anxiety something you work on in therapy? Is it something you brought up initially? It's not something I brought up initially. It's actually something that I've been working on in the last uh, since March <laughs> in this wow. troubled time, I guess. Um, mm. I, I usually live in Los Angeles, but, uh, um, at the beginning of March, it was my boyfriend's birthday and he's from New Mexico. So we came to visit family for two weeks and right in the middle of those two weeks, then lockdown was announced. So we've been here since then. And, I had to find a new therapist who I could talk to, uh, who was doing, you know, computer stuff. So yeah. she's, she's been asking me a lot of the right questions and kind of got that stuff out of me. Yeah. How has the pandemic played a role in your mm -hmm. death anxiety? I knew that was going to come up. <laughs> It's so weird. <laughs> it's so hard. 
in one way, I feel like I've been preparing for this my whole life, <laughs> like finding all the tools to just be able to get out of bed. And I mean, I put on pants today, like huge victories. Uh, but on the other hand, I mean, the anxiety about my family is, it feels so out of control sometimes that I just, I really need to take a day. And I just totally take, I check if there's anything I absolutely have to do. And even some of those things, I'm like, that's not real. Like, I don't really have to post that today. So um, I'm going to take a, a breather. Uh, do you both feel that way too? I mean, I'm sure some people are experiencing it for the first time, which would be really hard. Yeah, oh, we feel that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we feel that way. And it's funny you say that you've been preparing for it your whole life because a lot of people that I noticed had GAD, generalized anxiety disorder or health anxiety, they were like, this is what we've been preparing for. Like, this is this is it. Like this, we got this, like we know. And then people that, that have never experienced anxiety before are now having this rush of anxiety because we're all living in this collective trauma. And they're like, wait a minute, what, this is what anxious people have been dealing with their whole lives. And so, (laughs) you know, you're you're you know you're the one that knows what to do now because you've been prepping for it right (laughs) it's all of the anxious people and all of the people who were stocking up on toilet paper before last year yeah yeah the doomsday but after reading after reading through your blogs I'm realizing that a lot of your anxiety including this health and death anxiety is based on things you can't control and one of the big ones was movie anxiety I feel so like red to filth right now. I'm so, that's amazing. I'm cured. Yes, movie anxiety. I still have it real bad. Yeah, something you're still yeah. struggling with? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my boyfriend has been watching The Sopranos for the first time. And we, like one way we hang out is that I'll have my screen and headphones and he has his screen and headphones. And we just watch our separate things but a couple times I've looked over and I'll kind of get involved in the episode like oh my god the clothes are so cute and then someone gets shot and I I'm like I know that that I I know my own boundaries and I totally messed it up and I'm like okay we have to start over that's okay but yeah that yeah I guess that is a lack of control huh because you don't know what's coming in in the show or in the movie yeah. And so I, what do you feel? What do you feel when you when you're watching something and you know, like what is it like for you? It's textbook flight. Uh getaway. Hearts racing. I sweat. Um mouth goes dry. One time I was on an airplane and I made the exact same mistake. I was looking over at the part whatever the person next to me was watching and it turned out that he was watching the conjuring too <gasps> and i got oh, no. sucked in for some reason because i was like oh that's cute i didn't know there was a family in it <laughs> oh no and then oh, i saw the ending and i just i felt like i wanted to jump out of the plane i know that's really dark but i was like anywhere but here i had yeah. to be anywhere but here 
And the weird thing is sometimes I can't look away, which is yeah. very confusing. Doesn't make any sense, yeah. but brain, you know. Yeah, our brains function in mysterious ways. <laughs> you found this out though, like earlier on, like when we we're reading your blogs about that, it, it said you were like, what, four years old? You were pretty young when you first discovered you had this because you're, you, it was a Disney movie. And um, it was the character, what's the character's name? I Wait, the evil queen from Snow White? Yes, the evil queen from Snow White. So that was the character that started this. Yeah, she doesn't even have a name. That's how evil she is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, ooh, the when she changed, when she could change her appearance to be scary, that was like it. And I couldn't even look. I think my mom, she's so sweet. She hid that VHS in the wine glass cabinet, which is the only place like four-year-old me wasn't going to go. And years later I mean years later maybe middle school she took it out and was like I know you can watch it now like you come a long way and that was actually pretty special and you were able to watch it yeah and I look at it now and I think this happens to a lot of anxious people you look back on something that was just riddling you with anxiety and you're like oh my gosh it was a movie a cartoon movie written by a man with a mustache like it's just it's nothing mm-hmm. you don't have to be scared of anything like uh <sighs> yeah it's funny because at that age like when you think about like trauma and all of that stuff that we experience it's all about our developmental level right so at that age you were young that was probably really traumatic for you for whatever reason you know and so it it changed maybe your outlook on the movie or your surroundings or your safety. And it caused this like severe, like you said, flight. It's like, I need to get away from this scary thing. Mom was really good about it. She hid the movie from you. <laughs> Never had to look at it again. But, you know, it's, it's yeah, we look back on it and it's easy to look back and say, that's not a big deal. Why was I freaking out about that? But then you have to take into account all of our, you know, experiences, how old we were, our development, you know, so much goes into that. Yeah. And I, I think about that little kid and I'm like, let's go get ice cream. Like you had a rough day. I'm sorry. Do you do a lot of inner child work like that? Like where you kind of think of your younger self and give her what she needed? I do. I, I find the, that my inner child is very good at comforting me actually. So one thing that I'm working on not being ashamed of is I love going to McDonald's and getting basically the adult version of a Happy Meal Mm -hmm. because when I was a kid that just made me so happy literally Happy Meal I was like who who would thought of putting toys with these french fries like uh, give them a raise (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, like even this week, I, I went to McDonald's because I was having just like, I, I didn't even understand what was wrong anymore. I just was so upset, just I guess about the world. And you know what? My inner child was like, you did so good. Like you did one good thing today. Just go to sleep now. You're really full. Like just, just relax. So it was really nice. I, I feel like I owe her a lot. She's, yeah. she's, she's a smart kid. 
A big part of inner child work is doing what we used to love when we were young. And that's exactly what you're doing by going to McDonald's and getting the adult version of a happy meal. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So you're hilarious. Okay. If, if anyone has seen her YouTube channel, her Facebook, her Instagram, I mean, you are so, 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 so funny. Is that a coping mechanism for you? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Even this week, uh, I've been trying to work on taking compliments because I'm like, no, you must have the wrong person. Um, And my therapist was like, you know what, I'm just giving you a bunch of compliments in a row. And so she like laid it on and I couldn't help it. I started like making jokes at her and she was like, I feel like you're flipping me off. I was like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I feel like if I can make a joke about something, I've processed it a little bit, which is why I, I've been having a really hard time. I, I admire you both so much for continuing to make content during the pandemic because I, I, I don't understand it at all. And so I don't, I can't, I haven't been able to make a lot of jokes, especially about it. So. Okay. Yeah. So you've been really feeling it hard with this pandemic and you to the point where you haven't processed it yet so you can't make jokes about you feel like you can't make jokes about it yeah definitely great point but like Micheline said you are like clearly hilarious you are also outspoken about mental health when did you decide hey let's put the two together um I think I always wanted all of my characters to have this underlying anxiety about trying to fit in a lot of my first videos were about faking it until you make it like why do we do that why can't we just be like I have no idea what's going on uh and then I was really struggling with uh depression actually about three years ago and it was kind of ironic because it was when my videos were actually doing super well I had an amazing job uh you know I was reaching one of my goals was to reach millions of people and I was I was doing it but something was up I wasn't treating myself right I wasn't taking care of myself in a lot of ways and I was trying to decide if I should go on medication And I've tried so many, I've tried weird crystal therapy and sound baths and herbs and acupuncture and uh, meditation, anything. I've just tried so many random things and it just felt like my options were out, but I was really afraid of taking medication because I was worried about being on it my entire life. And then I was watching a YouTube video and this YouTuber comedian who I've been following forever her name's Anna Akana shared that she was on Lexapro and it blew my mind and it helped me I went to the doctor that week and was like let you know let's do it and it helped me so so much in ways I can't even explain that I just kind of realized if I could be that for someone because I don't get embarrassed I don't care I'll talk about any of my bodily functions I it really doesn't embarrass me compliments embarrass me so let's do it like 
I would love to help at least one other person to be able to have the confidence like, okay, she's succeeding sort of, and she gets depressed. Like I can do it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's, that's really good. And let's, let's go into bodily functions then for a minute. Uh, Nadia and I <laughs> were very open in our anxiety episode that we both get like IBS type symptoms where we have to run to the bathroom and it's like, Oh, what, what do you feel when you get anxious? Yeah. Well, first I just wanted to salute you because that's so <laughs> hard to deal with and it's so hard to talk about. And I, it is really moving it's bowel moving that you talked about it and I appreciate that that's the name of the episode um I'm one of the lucky ones who gets just extremely constipated I get so constipated it's like my body just sucks it all back up and Mm -hmm. then uh like a couple days later I'll just sit on the toilet and have the most giant poop I like well it's like one of those poops where you have to send a picture to your friends yeah I just love that you can talk about that because I mean it obviously it probably feels really crappy when you can't go to the bathroom when you can't poop because of your anxiety I mean bloating tightness in your stomach stomach pains you know fatigue probably even because you just feel heavy right mm-hmm. so yep. how like does that happen often or is it just in in specific situations when you get anxious it I have been lucky enough to narrow it down to specific situations travel is a big one um I mean like anytime I went to meet a boyfriend's parents I swear that's when it was like the absolute worst oh Oh, it gives me like spine like shudders just to think about it. Wow, I obviously need to keep a poop diary because I'm so <laughs> yeah. aware of it when it's happening, but then I just I think I immediately forget it. Yeah. That happens with anxiety a lot. Do you feel that? Like when you're totally. in it, you don't even know what's what and your body for kind of forgets but doesn't forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is yeah. that? It's probably the same as like that fight or flight response, right? Like we don't need our memory. We don't need to learn. We don't need to remember certain things because our body thinks it's like trying to run away from a tiger or fight a tiger. Yeah. It's all that matters in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Bonkers. So bonkers. It's like our body's so adaptive and yet so not adaptive all at the same time. Seriously. Like, yeah. Get a grit brain. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) you have done some YouTube videos when you're trying to be YouTube famous or a YouTuber and um, you made some ASMR videos. (laughs) Yeah, because you're like, really search my name. And those ASMR uh, videos were so soothing. I watched them and you talked about crying you whispered you didn't talk you whispered about crying and how you love crying and how crying is so helpful for you can you tell us more about how crying helps you oh wow yes I've realized it took me so long to realize honestly this also was kind of a realization that I had when I was about 26 uh because I've always been a crier 
uh, like I said, I was saying the Pledge of Allegiance at school, crying, and then it would be over and I'd be fine. So strange. But I started really seeing like, okay, this is a physical thing that I hold in me. And I really started noticing it when I was, I was working for a company that went corporate. And the change was a shock to the system in a lot of ways. And I had to talk to a lot of like grownups, like in suits, and they were behind like big desks and stuff and like asking me questions. I had no idea what the answer was. And I wanted to cry every meeting and I could feel it in my throat, like my throat physically ached, holding it back. And then I would wait to go to the bathroom and then I'd go cry in the bathroom, like on the regular. And uh, I actually, I, on one of my crying trips to the bathroom, I ran into one of my coworkers crying in the bathroom. And then I realized we were all crying in the bathroom. And I just was like, okay, this is another thing. Let's talk about it. Because we're either holding it in in some other way. Maybe crying isn't for everyone. But for me, it just helps. So why not just do it while I'm in the, in the chair in the office, you know? <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's just uh, cathartic. And uh, I don't love the stigma that when you cry, it's showing a weakness. That drives me crazy because all the strongest people I know have cried in front of me. Yeah. Human beings. Crying is so powerful. I'm a crier too. So I I know what you're talking about. And Nadia, are you a crier too? Oh yeah. I'm a huge crier. When I'm anxious the most, not when I'm sad or not when somebody upsets me, but when I'm anxious, that's when I'm crying. For sure. Yeah. I cry for anxiety too. I cry for anger. I cry for confrontation. I cry for sadness. Like you name it. I cry about it. I remember when my husband and (laughs) my husband met me once, once he met me, he married me, not just once, but when my husband met me and I cried, he's like, man, you cry a lot. (laughs) I was like, yes. You have a problem with that? Yeah. (laughs) You do anything special to keep hydrated? You get dehydrated when you cry? Yes, I definitely do. So I'm, I'm aware of it. I've been actually recently, I've been really up in my water take. I'm, these are the exciting things that are happening in my life. I drink water now. Like that's Amazing. the end of the list. <laughs> I'm thinking if you're crying and you're dehydrated and there's constipation, maybe it's all connected. 100% it's it connected. Oh, for sense. sure it's connected. <laughs> oh my gosh Mm -hmm. I also get migraines those are definitely connected actually Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll get a migraine and then when it goes away that's when I get the wonderful poop strange Mm -hmm. and mysterious things my body does (laughs) that's my autobiography name (laughs) yeah (laughs) well it it, it kind of makes sense because I'm thinking like when we're anxious we're so tense all the time and probably causes migraines and the constipation and then when that anxiety is released your body's like okay we gotta let go of everything we've been holding on to for however long it's been so it makes it by I mean biologically I think it makes sense yeah. what's happening there yeah I feel that so tell us about ASMR because I know that's that's something that you listen Nadia and I are big like crime junkie and like crime show um 
fans and you talked about ASMR and and crime there's like a a mix like a crossover there right and how has that helped you um oh wow uh so ASMR started helping me during a migraine I was I moved to London randomly (laughs) that's another story and I was so anxious thinking I made the wrong choice and so I had more migraines than ever and I watched a video of like this really beautiful girl with this long pink hair getting her hair brushed and I was like oh my god that's that's me this is it this is what I love oh my god this is fantastic so I mean that was like 2015 or something and since then, I think I've watched every single ASMR video on the internet. At least I thought until I saw a video that was like, I explained the Jean Benet Ramsey case whispered. <laughs> and I was like, okay, um, that's weird. Let's just, I'll just try it, you know, just something new, whatever. And it turns out I love the storytelling so much. I, my therapist thinks it's because I used to listen to books on tape when I was little. But I love, I don't love that there's a beginning, middle, and end, but it is very satisfying. And for some reason, the details of these horrible crimes don't bother me when someone is whispering about them. But I know from the outside that it is so strange and I wish I could explain it. I keep waiting kind of to like see what the reason is because I don't really listen to any true crime that's not whispered it it usually scares the crap out of me so I don't know maybe the storytelling but Mm -hmm. I don't get it (laughs) it sounds like you found a loophole and it works for you a loophole that's exactly it I fell down the loophole (laughs) no I love ASMR and I I know exactly like the true crime ones you're talking about and I listen to them all the time it's amazing so relaxing it's a good coping strategy some of them are the best writers like empress asmr like some of them are like i pay for their content on patreon because i'm like i can't get enough i can't get enough have you seen angelica asmr yes when she dresses up as like a nun or just does the crazy i love her yes isn't she canadian too oh i don't know do you know each other (laughs) (laughs) promoting my friend (laughs) no i don't know her but maybe Okay, so can you guys tell me what ASMR crime I'm missing out? Because apparently I was the only one that didn't know about this. So I'm going to need to know what these shows are. And we also should probably tell our listeners, what is ASMR? It's just somebody whispering or making satisfying noises or visual movements that gives you some form of physical sensation in your body that causes you to be calm. But it has no relation to anything sexual, which is a big misconception in the ASMR community. But there's a variety of different content from whispering to brushing hair, like you said, to massages, just so many different things, role plays. Yeah, and it stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Oh, that explains everything. It explains everything, right? Like that, that's it. it. Now we get it. Yeah. (laughs) So, but it's just like basically whispering in the sounds that Nadia was talking. We can like talk like this. Yeah. It's ASMR now. Right. And when you get that sensation, they call it tingles. And you're supposed to kind of like feel it in your head and in your body. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's been a huge coping mechanism for you. It relaxes you. It allows you to just, if you're highly anxious, does that, if you listen to it, does it automatically soothe you or do you have to be a, like not on edge for that to work for you? I don't have to be on edge for it to work with me, but I so appreciate times when I'm so anxious and recently like being inside all the time sometimes I feel like I get cabin fever so badly because I'm just I'm sitting at this desk like all day and my uh coping mechanism for that has when I just feel like oh my gosh if I don't move the world's gonna explode I don't know I'm like causing bad things I don't know I'm the worst um when I put on an ASMR video I can close my eyes lay down on my bed and you know there are ones that are just like 20 minutes and those true crime ASMR videos, because they have that ending, I know when it's over and I can kind of get up and get back to sitting here mm-hmm. <laughs> and really like physically, you know, calms my heart. My, my heart rate goes down. I can breathe a little deeper, which is so funny that I'm my, it'll be like, and then he stabbed her the flesh wounds were horrific and I'm like (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) listen we're always talking about how unique coping is for everybody so if it works for you it does not matter what it is I mean than legal standpoints but it does not matter healthy yeah it does not matter what it is it's you know it's helping your anxiety hey you found it you can't make sense of it whatever it works use it yeah I'm not gonna I I don't want to question it too much yeah don't (laughs) so you have a shirt in your merch shop saying that says ask me about my therapist so I want to know what is so amazing about your therapist that that merited like a whole shirt I, this, sorry, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I, one of my biggest anxiety things is that I feel like I'm never doing enough or like I, like I'll like launch a YouTube channel and then I get anxious and then I'm like, you know what, this is not right now, you know, never mind. And <laughs> the fact that you looked through all of my stuff, weirdly, it just brings me so much joy. I, I thought I'd be like oh. panicking, but I'm like, wow okay yeah I'm in a store that's cool (laughs) (laughs) um but I made that shirt because like I feel like I catch myself all the time being like well my therapist says um so my therapist said that it's this and I the therapist that I'm seeing in New Mexico she has this like she's lived many lives I think and in one life she was an astrologist so I don't know a super lot about astrology but I like to pretend I do so I'll be like oh my therapist said that it's Mercury retro okay so I can't do that to me sorry like I love so if you just ask me about my therapist first I feel so much like an invitation to just talk about all the things that she's told me so I really appreciate that interesting so what's your therapist told you about your anxiety well she has been so encouraging and one of the big things that she has been trying to help me realize is that I've come a long way 
and uh, that can be that can be really hard to that's a hard pill to swallow because I think I've had all these different versions of success in my mind I, and you can probably see that looking at my content okay I'm gonna be a famous youtuber success that'll be success okay I'll get like 60 million video views that that's success and none of it really was I think what really has become success for me is getting through a day without crying in the bathroom <laughs> wow it seems so easy but it's taken so long to get there so yeah I almost I've been thinking about like what if we make trophies for people like congrats like you are successful because you weren't, you might have been anxious all day, but you controlled it and you still lived your life and you still did things you love and you still help people. Like that's huge. You mentioned that you're someone that doesn't like taking compliments for other people. So I could only imagine how hard it is to compliment yourself on either big or small things. Yeah, no, I, I'm working on it. Working on it. It's so hard because we're our own worst critics and you know, we, you can't take a compliment from others. Obviously you're not going to be able to take a compliment from yourself, but you also have that inner child of yours inside that we talked about earlier that is like, hi, mommy, come, come, you know, let's go get McDonald's. And then can you take a compliment from your inner child? Or sometimes, yeah, sometimes um, when I'm like kind of reflecting on my day, I'll have the feeling that like, my third, no, excuse me, my 13 year old self will be so psyched. Like I get paid to write stuff. Oh my God. I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh. Wow. You get to like wear whatever you want. You have money. Whoa. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that's the, those are good moments, huh? Yeah. How do you, okay. With the amount of anxiety that you have, how do you, because you're not just, you know, making videos for like 10, 15 people. I mean, you have tons of followers that love you and watch you, right? And you have all of these videos you write, you've written for some major, you know, publications. And how, how do you go through that? Because I know a lot of people with anxiety struggle with what we call imposter syndrome. And I'm wondering if you've experienced that and how do you cope with that and still show up? I'm experiencing it at this very moment. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have that many followers. Those followers made a mistake, actually. They didn't even mean to follow me. <laughs> there is this weird, uh, like, dynamic in my head, and I don't know where it comes from. Um, maybe my Capricorn moon. I'll have to ask my therapist to clarify, but... Uh, <laughs> where the anxiety of succeeding uh, sometimes gets trumped by the anxiety of not succeeding. Mm -hmm. I was a straight A student in school. I think that says a lot right there <laughs> that I'm like, I need A's. Like, I don't, I don't know how to get through life without a clear, yes, you did this correctly. And being a creative and being lucky enough to be making videos for the internet or writing uh you don't get that a lot actually and mm -hmm. I, I I keep trying to redefine success I've actually been thinking so much about 
success uh, and how that can just affect so many things in your life. Um, I also show up, I think, because it helps me selfishly. Like, I, I always feel so much better. Of course, like, when I make a video, like, the writing is so much fun. And then the filming, I hate myself. And then the editing, I hate myself even more. Then I go to McDonald's. Then I come home. And then when I can laugh at it again, I'm, I, it almost becomes something totally different. And it's actually selfishly helping me. Yeah. yeah. What about you guys? I mean, you We're show up all the time. You show up for patients and you're showing up for like huge audiences. Like, and I'm sure people are constantly putting their problems in your inbox. I'm sure it's tempting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you show up? How do you do that? A big one is obviously showing up with my patients for their appointments and as much as I can. But in terms of my inbox being flooded with a lot of personal DMs and people asking about themselves is boundaries. Like we Mm. cannot over do what we're doing. Like we are able to provide the content and hopefully reach as many people as we can and help people. But that's when it kind of stops there. We need to set that boundary because at the beginning, I know Micheline and I were trying to show up for as many people as we could. And then it was impacting our own mental health. It was too hard. And it was a lot of crisis situation and a lot of liability as well. So we just kind of had to put an end to it. But it gets exhausting showing up all the time. And it's a yeah, lot of self-pressure for sure. It does. It does. And I, and I know for us, um, we, didn't, we never knew we were going to have this platform. Like we just started posting videos and it kind of just like happened. So it wasn't planned. And so initially as therapists, like you're an empath, right? You you are so empathetic, you experience struggles yourself, there's hardly any therapist I know, that just choose to be a therapist, because that's the profession they chose, like choosing to be an accountant or something. It's, it's my professor in college had said, uh, therapy chooses you. And I I totally believe that's true. um, Because we have experienced something that motivated us to learn about something that then became this career. And so it is hard. It's hard to show up. And I, when you were talking about like, you know, when you feel really bad, there are days where I feel terribly about myself. Like I don't feel I look good. I don't feel I feel good. I, I feel just heavy. And it's so hard to show up and not show up because if you do show up, you feel like you're not really there. And if you don't show up, you feel like you're letting a bunch of people down. Oh. Right. Ow. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I've recently been learning to set those kind of boundaries and say, it's okay to take a few days off. It's okay to not have to post that video. And like Nadia said, the DMS, yeah, we're helpers by nature. So we obviously want to help everybody. We want to answer messages and give advice, but at what cost, because then it starts to take over our entire life and legally and ethically, we're not allowed to. So yeah. we, hope that the content helps but yeah we can relate to that what you're saying it's 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 both fun exciting we love it and it also comes with that challenge right yeah yeah and the content creation is so self-generated especially mm. now I mean when I started making videos for I don't know if the youngsters are gonna know what this is it's an ancient social media platform called Facebook Oh, fa- the Facebook. Facebook. 
like, I would work with like a camera person and I had coworkers to like bounce ideas off of. And even though I'm really proud of how much I did on my own and how much it was my voice. Now, I mean, I've tried to make some TikToks and I'm like, oh, this is so exhausting. Like I, I cannot tell you how awesome I think it is that you both keep showing up in that way because I know it involves a lot more than just the posting. Oh yeah, definitely does. I think the process you said really hits it head on for me too. Like you write it, you're so excited. You film it, you kind of hate yourself. You watch it back, you kind of hate yourself. And then you post it and you're like, okay, like I like this again, I'm happy. And then it's the whole cycle of going through and dealing with the bad to get that reward after. Yes. I'm working with one of my creative partners on a workshop for dealing with mental health as a creative person, because I wish that someone had told me that just because you feel like shit doesn't mean that your work is shit. Wow. That's so powerful. That's actually a great quote. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Oh my God. Should I do a bumper sticker? What? Is- yeah. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Merch for sure. Add that into your collection. <laughs> Merch is on my mind. I had this idea a while ago to do uh, mental health and Harry Potter merch. And I've been working on it. Like it's, it's actually one of the first things in a while where I don't hate myself while I'm doing it. So it's been an escape and it feels great. But also like being a grown up and having to do business things and having to like wait for samples in the mail or like change a font. I'm uh, those, uh. once it gets to that part, I'm like, okay, this is going to take three weeks. That's fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the hardest part. Like the creative part is so much fun, but the business aspect in the back is like, <gasps> no. Yeah. Yep. 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 I want to ask you a little bit about coping skills because um, those are always really helpful. And so I'm going to, I'm going to read a quote from one of your blog posts. It says objects has have as much power as you give them. You could literally pick up a piece of mulch and if you believe it will elevate your mood, then gosh, darn it. It will. I love that quote. that. I love that. And, and it was an article about, I think it was about crystals. Um, not that, you know, in, in therapy, it's really interesting because, you know, you have like the scientific stuff and then you have the stuff that's not like scientifically based, but it's just helpful for some people because of exactly what you said in this quote. So I wanted to know how, I know you, you also talked about as a child picking up on objects and having objects and you keep them in your dress and, and so objects have always been a part of your coping. How did you first discover objects as a form of coping and how have they helped ground you? So when I was having that really tough year in fourth grade, I, somebody gave me a little wooden cross and the way they presented it was just like, you know, you'll be protected. This is a positive thing. And the religious stuff didn't really stick with me. I wasn't feeling like, okay, Jesus is, you know, walking next to me or, you know, I have a little Jesus in my pocket or something like that. But, you know, I kept it in my pocket that day and it was a good day. Um, I had this weird anxiety. I was really worried that someone would throw up on me. Okay. But no one threw up on me that day. So I was like, oh my gosh, this 
cross has something to do with it. I swear it's magic. And so I started carrying it in the pocket of my little school uniform every single day. I went to a Catholic school, so I basically wore the exact same dress every day. And so it didn't like get ruined in the wash or whatever. And then the same thing happened with a giant purple lip smackers. Like I'm talking gigantic. I carried it in my pocket. It was a good day. I was like, uh oh, I guess it's both of these things working together. And then it turned into like, okay, I put on these earrings and then I felt nervous. So obviously it's the earrings. And it actually got really out of hand to the point where I actually, I took the cross, the little cross on an airplane to California and I left it on the airplane. And I had my mom call United Airlines to see if they found like an inch by inch wooden cross on their plane, which if they did, obviously they threw it away. Like, come on. Um, and after that, I kind of was like, can I even trust anything ever again? But things do make me happy. I think that's my, my Taurus. I'm very Taurus. Uh, I like buying things. I like holding things. I like the feel of it. Like I like, books in person I like petting my cat like I like having that there and crystals were introduced to me when I moved to LA and it was the perfect intersection of like this is meaningful and it's allowed to be meaningful you can carry it in your pocket but odds are it's probably not gonna like change your whole day it's just a little bit comforting there so I finally found like this balance with those and they're they're beautiful too so Mm -hmm. you know I have like a pile of rocks that every day my cat slowly inches off my dresser and I know that when it falls on the floor like I don't know maybe some logic kicked in being a grown-up but I'm like okay like nothing bad's gonna happen because it went on the floor uh but I find a lot of pleasure and satisfaction from arranging them and reading about them I don't know it's it's that thing you said earlier it's like don't question it too much mm-hmm. I don't know and maybe it some works. of it is my catholic background there's a lot of that stuff in catholicism like rosaries and things that are blessed like those are held in like reverence and maybe that rubbed off on me a little bit yeah 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 I mean it's offering you comfort and it's not hurting you and so it's one of those things that if it works it's not harmful. Why not, you know, keep going with it. So just hurts my bank account, but right. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> they, they are expensive, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. So maybe I should go back to that mulch idea. Like that's actually the mulch. something there. <laughs> yeah. Those are free. Yeah. Mulch is <laughs> totally free, right? <laughs> we think so. I mean, just pick it up off the ground. <laughs> okay, I'll try what and is- I'll get back to you. What is something that, I mean, we, we have a lot of listeners who have anxiety or experienced anxiety. What is a tool or something you can tell them, inspirational message, whatever you feel like you want to share that, you know, has helped you or you think will be beneficial for them? That mental health is forever. There's a lot of language around mental health, especially on the internet where uh, 
Some people try to take a message and put it in a very bite-sized caption or something like that. That can be kind of almost like toxically positive and imply that if you do this, then you will never feel anxiety again. And the truth is, you might feel anxiety forever, but that doesn't mean your life is over. In fact, your mental health life might just be starting. So don't feel like there's one solution for you. I love that. I'm sweating so hard. (laughs) Are you still nervous? I'm nervous to put that out there. I mean, you two are actual professional. I'm not a doc. I don't have like a license. I mean, I have a driver's license, but I don't have like a therapy license or anything like that. So yeah, sometimes maybe it's imposter syndrome, but I just sometimes giving advice, I feel like, I mean, I'm anxious right now. Am I allowed to give advice? That's crazy. Um, Yeah, but think about your experience, your experience with Anna and watching her YouTube video. She's not a professional, professional. She's just somebody that talked Mm -hmm. about taking medication and you she literally changed your life so same thing well look at you turning that back on me (laughs) (laughs) she's amazing at that yeah yeah and I mean we're anxious af and we're both therapists I mean imposter syndrome lives within myself and Nadia's probably you've spoken of daily (laughs) like we we sometimes feel that way too it's like who are these people seeking us out for advice (laughs) but you know it's one of those things that sometimes you don't have to have a license to be helpful you have lived experience you have things that work for you and it's almost like you know we get sick with a cold and I've had a cold before and you've had a cold before and we're allowed to say hey you know I drank uh warm lemon water and it helped my throat and you know it's the same stuff with like mental health it's hey this helped me maybe the professionals have you know very practical specific tools that are researched and you know can work with you on in the long term but people who have lived experience with anxiety or depression or any any mental health issue you can relate you know you can make somebody feel like they're less alone and That's what share you do. with them. Seriously. It's... Sorry, fangirling again. I'll reel it in. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're, we're going to be friends for a long time. Don't you worry. I'm so excited. So I knew exciting. it. I knew we were friends. Okay. Friends. We're friends. We're friends. But no, so I, I, I know that people will definitely resonate with your messages, with the tips that you've shared, with your experience, with you know, anxiety and how you experience it, all of that. So thank you for for sharing. I know it's not easy. And so thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. Thank you. Thank you. Where can people find you? Um, I am at it's the sea wolf. T-H-E, the letter C-W-O-L-F on pretty much everything. Perfect. Yeah, you can see my like pathetic attempts at TikTok. Man, editing TikToks. After this, you need to tell me how you edit a TikTok. I'm like, I I get paid to edit things sometimes. Like I'm an editor on the computer. On my phone, I'm like an old, I'm like, I don't get it. (laughs) Well, TikTok needs to up their their editing in app software because it's it's tedious. You heard it, TikTok. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) we're waiting on it tiktok 
Well, well thank th- you so much. You're amazing. We are so happy you came on our show. We were so looking forward to this. We have been talking about it before. We knew it was going to be a fun, uplifting, funny, inspirational episode. Yes. So thank you. I will never poop again now. I honestly, <laughs> that's like the nicest, best thing. I Thank you. I'm so happy to meet you both. And I'm like out of breath now. <laughs> We really hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you're enjoying our podcast and our conversations, please leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. And take a screenshot of the episode you're enjoying. Tag us on Instagram at anxiouslikeyou so that we can reshare that post and share it with your friends and family. You never know who might need to hear these messages that we're sharing. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Join the Anxious Like You community by following at Anxious Like You on Instagram. See you in the next episode.